0: What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked on Reds. And here we go. What is going on, Reds fans? Welcome into the Locked on Reds podcast for this Wednesday. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to the podcast. On today's show... I'm going to actually recap the Dayton Dragons game. This is Locked on Dragons, at least for right now. For today, anyway. I wanted to talk about the stadium, uh, a couple of good things I noticed from the game, and also the Dragon Dog. But before we get to that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya Podcasting app. Also, hit us up on Twitter, at LockedOnReds, and at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and then head on over to LockedOnReds.com for even more content, and make sure you have the Lockdown Reds line in your phone at 513-549-0159. I'll have a question of the week for you later on, which... We say question of the week, but uh, you know that's an indefinite amount of time, so we'll see just how long the question lasts. But that's later on in the show. I want to talk about obviously first of all, the Reds fell to the Indians in the 10th inning. You're gonna be mad at Rysel Iglesias. I'm gonna tell you why. It's well, okay. I'm not gonna go into crazy detail about this because I want to talk more about the Dragons game. But as much as he gave it up. As much as you'll see in the box score, he is credited for the loss. And he gave up a hit, gave up an RBI, gave up all that good stuff. The Reds had plenty of opportunities, offensively. Again. And just again. They failed to the score. Multiple times. I We keep hitting this same point. We keep beating this same dead horse. They, they just for whatever reason, when they have opportunities to score, they just don't. So I don't know what else to say when it comes to the Reds offense, because there's no one hard and fast explanation as to why you don't score runners on base. They fall to their 24th one or two run loss that is crazy ahead of everyone else in Major League Baseball as far as the most losses of the one-to-two-run variety. And I mentioned in the preseason that that was going to be a huge point for this season. And so far, I'm right. So far, it's been a huge negative point. But enough about the Reds. We know what the Reds are at this point. I I really feel like we do. They're a 500-ball club. They could flirt with 82, maybe 83 wins. But they could also flirt with 78, 79 wins. We'll see exactly how the season holds. I want to talk about 5th-3rd field and the Dayton Dragons. Tonight, I got the chance to witness a Dayton Dragons game at 5th-3rd field and no free ads, but I used a specific app, and I got in for just a few bucks, and it was fun to get to experience the stadium. My seats were technically down the third base line. I probably sat there about three innings. I spent most of my time in right field. They had a nice little bar area where you could just lean and watch the game from the right field corner, and you got a nice little spot to hold on to your Beer and your hot dog, and all that good stuff. I'm going to tell you what, they got this thing at 5th Third Field called the Dragon Dog. And while I was standing in line, I saw this on the menu and I was like, What on earth is that? It is a normal, you know, a jumbo hot dog that they have. Normal hot dog, not like a big red smoky or anything like that, but a normal hot dog with queso, these little potato crisps jalapenos, and sriracha. My mouth was on fire, but I couldn't have been happier with this hot dog. It tasted phenomenal. Great thing to eat. I mean, it's it's a great variety of hot dog to go with your baseball game up in Dayton. And as far as the game is concerned, the Dragons won. They staved off a very interesting ninth inning as their closer, Demirius got into a situation where There was only a one-run deficit, and he had runners on first and second, but he was able to get the last out by striking out the dude from the Whitecaps, Reynaldo Rivera, and it was a game in which Reds' top 10 prospect, depending on where you look, but pretty much most ranking systems have Michael Ciani in the top 10 of Reds' prospects, he had a heck of a night. He went four for four at the plate with four singles. He even got a steal, an RBI, and a run. Did absolutely everything that you asked of your leadoff hitter. He could be an interesting guy to watch develop here in the ne- the next couple of years. Wonder if uh, he could develop into an everyday center fielder. Maybe something I'll ask Doug Gray next time I have him on the podcast. But it was interesting and fun to watch the Dragons tonight. The guy that started was, and Doug Gray had a piece a couple of days ago about Dominican Summer League Reds players who had made it from the Dominican Republic over to the Reds farm system and, and all that different stuff. A guy pitching for the Dragons last night was John Jesus and he came from the DSL. And it was interesting because in the first inning, he touched 97 on the radar gun. He had, a very, he had a lot of pop on his fastball. The problem was he wasn't striking guys out. I think he ended the game with just a strikeout or two. In fact, checking the box score, he did end up the game with two strikeouts. He pitched three innings on the day, and his biggest issue was his command. Now, that may be almost stereotypical of a power pitcher in that he wasn't quite locating his pitches very well, but it seemed like he went into a lot of three-ball counts. Whitecap hitters were able to capitalize on that. In fact, it was even something indicative to me just leading off the game. Guy for the White Caps comes up, their leadoff hitter on the night, The designated hitter, my cousin, Vinny Esposito, okay, he's not my cousin, but I just had to drop that in there, but Vinny Esposito comes up, entering the game, he was batting .053, less than 100, he was batting 53, his OPS was something like a buck 60, on base plus slugging, a buck 60 something. And John DeJesus went down two balls and no strikes super quickly. He was able to battle back and forced Esposito to pop out to right field. But it was indicative of the night for DeJesus in that he was all over the place. There was no control. And I had Doug Gray's article in the back of my mind thinking about how the Reds really hadn't gotten a ton of production from players coming out of the DSL. The best two players that the Reds have seen have been Wandy Peralta and a guy that didn't make it to the major leagues as a Red, and Ronald Torres, you who know, he's bounced around the major leagues, hasn't really settled in just yet. So maybe it's kind of a point against the Reds' international scouting, which most have said has been dicey at best, but that's a that's a topic for a later podcast episode. Just something that I had thinking about as I was watching John DeJesus' pitch, and as he got his pitch count up, he had a relatively short outing, and a couple other guys came in for the Dragons and held down the fort till the end as the lineup was able to produce five runs and get the win. We're going to talk about the Reds and Indians game here on Tuesday. I know I just mentioned that You know, I wasn't going to talk about it, but we'll take a look at it here after the break. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Hotels.com. Are you tired of hate-liking your friend's vacation? Did you see your buddy at the beach? Did you see your girlfriend at the pool? Well, I got a solution. Go to Hotels.com. Hotels.com has great rates and a reward system. For your travel. That's right. Do you want to travel and get rewarded for it? Go over to Hotels.com. Also, I want to thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's episode. Blue Chew is the first chewable with the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. And it's got a great way, a great discreet way to get Blue Chew to your door. All you have to do is go to BlueChew.com. You Place your order online. There's no awkward in-office doctor visits. There's just a couple of questions that they have you answer, and through today's promo, you can put in the code MLB like Major League Baseball, and you get your free or your first order for free. You just pay five dollars in shipping. That's BlueChew.com. B l u e Chew.com. Enter promo code MLB. BlueChew is the better cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Wednesday. Quick note, the Reds were able to sign Nick Ladello yesterday, and now we wait to see if they can get Reese Hines, their second round pick, signed. And then, as Keith Law had stated on Mo Egger's show a couple of days ago, that the Reds had killed it with the draft. They did very well. And as long as they can get everybody signed, it will be a phenomenal draft class as, you know as uh, according to evaluators. So we'll see just how well the Reds did here in the coming years, and like Doug Gray said, Nick Ladello figures to be a guy that's up in the next couple of years to the major leagues. So we'll see just how good he is. It's nice to see that he was able to sign with the Reds after they drafted him number seven overall. Now let's let's talk just for a brief moment about Tuesday night's game. Because I mentioned that the offense being anemic was a problem. It was nice, however, to see Luis Castillo pitching well. I know that the Indians' offense has been a bit of a struggle as of late, but he was able to keep them down. They didn't have a bounce back sort of find their legs kind of day against Castillo and he even had that inning where he got the bases loaded and had to pitch with ever, with all the ducks in the pond for the rest of the inning. I believe they were loaded with one out and he was able to get out of it without giving up a single run in the sixth inning. That's just the kind of quality that you get whenever Luis Castillo is on the mound. And then, of course, Michael Lorenzen and David Hernandez especially pitched an amazing relief. And Iglesias giving up the run and all that stuff, that kind of sucks. But that ends a streak of 12 scoreless appearances for Iglesias. It's not as if he's constantly doing this each and every night. He's just been called upon to pitch in situations where the Reds are either tied or there's just a one-run lead, very small margin for error. And then especially tonight, whenever they decided to walk Francisco Lindor to load the bases, I understand not wanting to pitch to the Indians' best hitter. But Chris Welsh had a interesting stat on tonight's broadcast, and that was that the Houston Astros, who we uh, You can pretty much tell that the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. You don't have to have watched an Astros game to know that. They are one of, if not the best team in baseball. Statistically, they have not issued an intentional walk this season. And they especially haven't walked the bases loaded intentionally. Because their pitching coaches believe in giving their pitchers a little bit of a margin for error, able to pitch around them, and who knows, it's easy to second guess, and hindsight's 20, 20 and all that stuff, but if you give Iglesias the ability to pitch around him, as opposed to just issuing that intentional walk, and closing up the only open base that he had, who knows, I mean, it may have been different, it may not have been, but all in all, it was a night that, again frustrating from the offensive side of things, the Reds had thirteen base runners and managed to score one run. That is unacceptable and not something if if they hope to make a run, if they look to flip that one and eight start on its head and do their own run of eight and one or even better than that, you can't do that. There there is absolutely no room for games in which you get thirteen base runners and 12 of them don't score. Just can't do that. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here on the Wednesday edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's episode. On tomorrow's podcast, I'm going to wrap up the series between the Indians and the Reds, this short two-game series, the first half of the Ohio Cup, a tradition unlike any other. And we'll talk about the upcoming series with the Texas Rangers. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. That's the best way to get each and every episode automatically added to your podcasting queue on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya Podcasting up. Hit us up on Twitter, at LockdownReds and at Jeff Carr with three Fs, and then head on over to LockdownReds.com for even more content. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the question of the day for the Lockdown Reds line. Give us a call, 513-549-0159. I've got a simple question, but I figure it's going to elicit a lot of different responses, and that is this. Do you believe David Bell has done a good job in this, his first year ever as a major league manager? And tell me why you believe, yes or no, or whatever you believe about David Bell's performance, because... I personally, I've mentioned it before, I love what David Bell has brought to the table. I know he's made some decisions here or there, but every manager makes those decisions here or there and gets criticized for them. Overall, I think he's done a great job up to this point. It's been a small sample size as a manager. As I mentioned, his first year ever in the major leagues as a manager, but I want to hear from you. 513 549 0159. Do you believe David Bell? has done a good job up to this point in his first year as a major league manager. We're getting in the podcast with that. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Jeff Carr. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.